Hello, my name is Sam Westrop. I'm the director of the Middle East Forum's Islamist Watch project. Uh, welcome to our regular series uh, of Middle East Forum podcasts and webinars. Um, with me today is Benjamin Baird, the deputy director of Islamist Watch, uh, the director of our Islamist uh, in Politics project. And we're here to discuss Turkey, uh, or rather Turkish Islamism. Uh, for the last few years, Islamist Watch has kept a close eye on the Islamist aspirations and ambitions of uh, the Erdogan regime, as well as other Turkish Islamist movements operating uh, in Europe and the United States. And uh, we've been particularly concerned by the growing political efforts, political espionage, political influence that Turkish regime uh, entities and proxies um, have exerted and have imposed, foisted upon uh, American society over the last uh, few years. Benjamin Baird has studied this in quite some detail, so I'm delighted to have him with me here today. Uh, we will have a 15-minute conversation followed by a 15-minute Q&A. Um, so if you want a question in the queue, uh, simply click the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen and type your question and we'll see it and uh, hopefully get around to it. Thank you very much. Ben, welcome and thank you for, for joining me. Thank you for hosting me, Sam. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Ben, first, give me an overview of the Turkish regime's presence uh, in the United States. Uh, give me an overview of its activities, its political efforts. Uh, explain Turkish Islamism in North America, too. Uh, certainly. So, uh, Turkey's political espionage activities in the U.S. are highly sophisticated. Uh, of all the countries that... Uh, attempt to get involved in US politics, whether illicitly or legally, uh, Turkey has year after year been one of the top players. Uh, it is a multi-front effort involving media institutions, lobbyists, uh, nonprofit organizations, uh, and even electioneering through political action committees. The intent of this effort is to influence US politicians, the US security establishment, uh, and the public at large to show Turkey in a positive light and to win over uh, key military and diplomatic concessions here in the United States. Uh, what are those concessions? What do they look like? Well, uh, lobbyists frequently go after the extradition of Fethullah Gulen uh, and seek to neutralize his supporters in the United States. Uh, Gulen, of course, is the a uh, Turkish cleric uh, living in exile in Pennsylvania. Uh, Erdogan accuses him for uh, masterminding a 2016 coup attempt in Turkey uh, that was unsuccessful. Uh, but these Turkish proxies also attempt to secure military contracts. Uh, they fight US sanctions, um, many of them imposed in response to Turkish adventurism. Uh, they support American Islamists and uh, the Global Muslim Brotherhood uh, movement. They seek to undermine Israel at every turn. They fight recognition of the Armenian genocide and, of course, many other objectives. The point is, is that uh, Turkey is one of the key bad actors in the United States um, when it comes to infiltrating politics and manipulating public opinion. Year after year, as I said, lobbyists spend more than many other countries. Uh, in 2020, Twitter came out with a report that showed that Turkey was just behind China and, uh, and Russia as being uh, involved in having the most number of shell uh, accounts established to influence public opinion. 
So Turkish political espionage is definitely a threat uh, and it must be dealt with immediately, really. I mean, this is something that uh, influences U.S. foreign policy, not just U.S.-Turkey relations, but the Middle East and the world at large. I see. And is there one or, or several leading Turkish regime organizations that are doing Ankara's bidding then? Is there a particular organization you feel uh, represents this Turkish Islamist ambition uh, particularly strongly? Uh, sure, there's a number of organizations. Um, one of the leading organizations, I would say, would be the Turkish Heritage Organization. Um, this is a group that was established uh, in 2016 um, for the betterment of U.S.-Turkey relations. Uh, at least that's what they claim. Um, however, hacked emails, uh, an organization called Red Hack, hacked Erdogan's son-in-law sometime around 2016, um, and it revealed quite a bit of information about Turkish political espionage efforts in the United States. One of the most important things that was gleaned uh, from these emails was that a man by the name of uh, Halil Ibrahim Danishmaz, sort of the front man for Erdogan in the United States, uh, approached Erdogan's son and his son-in-law with a plan to uh, get involved with lobbying efforts in the United States. Um, they, they said that there was sort of a gap of organizations in the U.S. representing, representing their sensibility, um, referring to, the, to President Erdogan and the AKP, of course. Uh, so he offered up a plan, uh, and this is to, quote, attempt to infiltrate Capitol Hill <clears throat> and U.S. security establishment, <clears throat> excuse me, through front organization and lobbyists under the guise of journalism. Uh, he, <clears throat> he talked about, excuse me, <clears throat> pardon me, thanks. Uh, he talked about camouflaging uh, these lobbying efforts to take advantage of US tax laws and foreign agent laws. Um, his plan included inviting US politicians uh, to take trips to Turkey and then paying them handsome funds uh, to appear on, on panels and, and make speeches. Um, he is, what he was talking about was essentially skirting uh, U.S. lobbying laws. And two years later, after this presentation to Bilal Erdogan, uh, the Turkish Heritage Organization was born. And it really uh, took on many of the objectives that uh, Danish Maj explained in his presentation. Um, THO, as it's called, is largely funded by AKP-owned businesses. In fact, Danish Maj himself was uh, uh, an employee of the Turkish Airlines. And another hacked email shows Danishmov saying that uh, being worried about getting his paychecks because he wasn't showing up to work. And basically the response was, as long as the AKP rules, you will receive a paycheck. So it was really just a shell job for him to hold. But uh, Turkish Airlines, in addition to many other AKP part-owned, fully-owned institutions are what pays for THO. Uh, to stay in business. Um, and basically it's met with uh, many Turkish politicians, American Islamists, it's brought the two together and it's served uh, the AKP's interests for, for many years now. I see. So this is the, the political face of the Turkish regime sure. in the United States. What about the religious face? What about um, uh, the clerics of the Turkish regime? I understand 
uh, just outside DC in, in, in Maryland, there's a very large Turkish Islamic center uh, known as the DNS Center of America. Can you tell me about the uh, religious side to uh, Erdogan's outreach in the United States? Yeah, of course. Uh, yes, as you say, the DNS Center of America is based in Atlanta, Maryland. It's a massive uh, mosque complex um, and includes not only a really huge worship center uh, engineered in the style of Seljuk architecture, uh, but it also serves as a place for Erdogan and the AKP to hold court with dignitaries uh, in the U.S. and around the from the U.S. and around the world, and of course, different American Islamists. It, it's basically a small Turkish town in the middle of America. It has a housing complex to host visiting officials uh, and guests of the Turkish government. Uh, numerous members of Congress have stayed there, uh, as well as diplomats from many many different countries. Um, and it's fully funded by the Turkish government. Um, it also oversees the activity of around 25 other Dianet mosques from around the country, uh, mostly in the Northeast, I believe. Um, so here you have the Turkish government basically uh, controlling territory in the United States in many ways, using it to forward uh, the ambitions of the Turkish government and the Justice and Development Party. Um, over the years, the DNN has become highly politicized. Um, in fact, its sermons, even here in the United States, are curated and prepared by the Turkish government. Uh, their religious institution in Ankara basically has to rubber stamp any of the Friday sermons. Um, and they've been known to reflect the talking points of the AKP pretty exactly. Um, in fact, for many Turks, both in the US and in Turkey and abroad. Um, this has been a big turnoff religiously for them. I mean, imagine going to a church or synagogue and hearing your religious leader talk about make America great again, or, or basically sound like a political advertisement for a leading politician. Um, people don't go uh, to worship for those reasons. And it's been a, tur a turnoff for many practicing Muslims, in fact, um, I think recent polls showed in Turkey that many, uh, a majority of Turks consider themselves to be not serious practicing Muslims. Um, and I think a large part of that is because of the political, uh, politicalization of the, uh, of, uh, of the DNN. Um, but even worse than that, what you're seeing from DNN mosques around the world, especially in Europe, is that the imams and the clerics uh, from, from the DNS system have been used to spy on Turkish citizens living abroad, for instance, in Germany and France. Um, they've been part of a, a network that collects information on, on Gulenist and other dissident groups and sends that information back to the AKP in Turkey. Um, and there's many that fear that the same is happening here in the United States. Um, but even if that isn't happening, uh, the DNN, its Friday sermons, uh, have basically been used as a platform for American Islamism. Um, some of the leading Islamists in the United States are invited to give Friday sermons. Uh, that includes leaders from the uh, International Institute for Islamic Thought, the American Muslims for Palestine, the Salafist Al-Maghrib Institute, uh, some of the most extremists. Muslims here in the United States are often featured uh, at 
the DNET Center in Maryland and uh, are given a platform for their extremism by the Turkish government. Okay, so the DNET is essentially a Turkish regime institution. It's a subsidiary of the Directorate for Religious Affairs, as you said. Its sermons are prepared uh, in Ankara, or at least somewhere in Turkey, by uh, a central regime religious authority. Uh, and yet here it is in America, involving itself with political causes, uh, advancing Turkish interests. Why is the DNX center in Maryland not registered as a foreign agent? Is it, is it a foreign agent? Should it be registered? Uh, is it using a religious institution to get around foreign agent uh, registration laws? I, yes, I think that's exactly what is happening. Um, it should be considered a foreign agent. Um, you know, it's only been just recently that Americans uh, and the Justice Department have been using FARA uh, for its intended purpose. Uh, of course, it was started to uh, stop Nazi propaganda, Nazi publicity agents and lobbyists from operating in the United States. Uh, but of course, in this sort of globalized atmosphere, um, there are many other threats today that we face from uh, foreign bad actors, Turkey being a leading one. Um, the DNS should absolutely be considered a foreign agent and should be uh, forced to register as such. Um, or there needs to be some other mechanism put in place, uh, perhaps specifically targeting religious institutions. Um, you know, it was... Uh, sometime during the Trump administration that the FCC got involved with foreign agents registration where uh, any companies that were part owned, um, I believe there's a percentage cutoff, but, but were that are owned by uh, foreign backed or state backed uh, institutions were forced to register with the FCC. And that's a change that came out of the NDAA uh, during the Trump years. So, you know, perhaps there's something that can be done uh, to, to get religious bad actors such as the DNN to register. And if not, they should definitely be made to register under the uh, FARA Foreign Agents Registration Act, certainly. Interesting. And my last question, I think, before we head to, the, to some of the questions we've received from, from the audience is, mm -hmm. we're both aware that domestic Islamists, so non-Turkish Islamists, have also been working very hard to influence American politics over the last several decades. Um, given the increased collaboration between American domestic Islamists, especially from the Muslim Brotherhood uh, tradition, as well as various South Asian Islamist traditions, has Ankara, has the Turkish regime sought to use non-Turkish American Islamists then to advance its political agenda? And what, how close is that relationship? Certainly, um, you know, I'd say that many American Islamists now look to Turkey uh, as their largest foreign backer. You know, if the Muslim Brotherhood in years past was the biggest uh, patron of American Islamism, I'd say that Turkey and the AKP have taken on that role uh, today more so than anyone else. Um, there's great collaboration between Turkish American organizations, uh, the Turkish government in Ankara, and American Islamist groups. Um, they appear at the same functions. Um, there's no question that American Islamists are carrying water for AKP and Erdogan. Uh, after the 2016 coup attempt, 
you had groups such as the Council on American Islamic Relations, U.S. Council of Muslim Organizations, and many others um, holding protests or rallies in favor of Erdogan. Um, you know, you've had, uh, for instance, American Muslims for Palestine um, trying to get their supporters to take trips to Turkey and telling them to use Turkish airlines when they do so. Uh, you have a business association called Musayed USA, which is uh, basically uh, uh, a group of Turkish American Islamists who businessmen who have gotten together to form an association uh, that is loyal to the AKP, um, that is very active in US business and trade, um, that has been meeting with groups like USCMO and CARE and other Islamists for many years. And in fact, uh, the Muslim American Society ICNA conference that is held every year, one of the biggest Islamist conventions in the United States, uh, has featured key Erdogan uh, members of the family, in fact, have, have participated in these events and other uh, AKP leaders. So there's great collaboration between both of these groups and more and more we are seeing uh, Turkey as a leader of Americanism. That's very, very fascinating. So we've had quite a few questions. Um, some of them uh, are focused on Turkey's inward uh, struggles, uh, economic questions and so on. I'm afraid uh, the audience will have to wait for one of the Middle East forums, many Turkey experts to pursue a separate webinar on that. We're gonna focus on the US angle, I think uh, today for this, but there are still quite a few questions on the US angle. Uh, David Levine asks, can you name pro-Turkish elements in Congress, in the House, uh, in the Senate, uh, any particular lobbying firms. So any individuals, any organizations uh, come to mind that you regard as, as particular proxies or, 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 or sort of fellow travelers of the Turkish regime's interests? That's a good question. As far as lobbying organizations, a woman by the name of Lydia Borland, who in fact isn't Turkish, um, owns a company called LB Solutions, um, is one of the main Turkish um, lobbyists in the United States. She established uh, a series of Turkish American political action committees um, called, uh, they are grouped under an umbrella called the 10,000 Turks campaign. Um, she was a key facilitator of those political action committees, which are basically used to fund US congressional races. Um, now, as far as US politicians being involved, um, without naming any, uh, the, you know, the United States uh, Turkey caucus includes many members who Turkey is very interested in funding, uh, you know, and, and paying for uh, their elections. They're big donors, these Turkish American PACs of the U.S. Turkey caucus, Turkish American caucus. Um, you know, uh, they give quite frequently to this group, um, but it's not only, uh, you know, Turkey's close allies that Turkey's interested, that, that the AKP is interested in funding. In addition, they seek to fund some of the biggest critics of Erdogan and the AKP. Um, for instance, uh, Senator Jean Shaheen has received quite a bit of uh, attention from these Turkish American PACs um, and she is one of the biggest critics of Erdogan and has uh, been in, responsible for legislation sanctioning the regime. So basically they attempt to curry favor 
um, not only from critics, but allies. And in fact, another hacked email uh, from sometime in 2015 uh, between uh, Danish Maz and Bilal Erdogan, Erdogan's son, um, showed Bilal suggesting that, hey, we should give $30,000 to members of Congress who basically will put out a statement critical of Gulen. Uh, and if they don't, tell them we'll go to the incumbent with the same offer. And I think uh, that may be something they're using, you know, uh, basically the largesse offered from political donations to influence US policy. Um, but, you know, it, it, as we've seen, it's, it's on both sides of the aisle and it's both for allies and critics of the Erdogan regime. I see. We have an anonymous question. Uh, uh, the attendee asks, to what extent are Turkish American dual nationals involved in this influencing, information collecting, political, political espionage activities that you've, you've described, uh, are those who are involved themselves mostly Islamists? Um, and finally, are any sort of secular Turkish nationals harassed by uh, these agents of the Turkish regime? Uh, all good questions. Uh, to the first, yes, I think that many times these are dual American Turkish citizens that are responsible for this. Danish Maz, in fact, was questioned uh, by the FBI uh, in 2016, along with many other Turkish American leaders from the Turkish American National uh, Steering Committee and from USAID USA. And eventually Danish Maz decided that uh, after this uh, interrogation decided that it was best if he relocated um, to Turkey, where he now is a key business leader over there. Um, but, you know, he was replaced by another Turkish American proxy who appears in both uh, Turkish language and English language media by a man by the name of Ali Chinar. Um, and these are most definitely uh, dual US Turkish uh, citizens that are involved uh, in these efforts. Uh, to the second question, are these mostly Islamists? I think they are. Um, you know, there's one man by the name of Murat Gazelle, who's a, uh, a member of the DNC, a key part of the Democratic Party, but he also gives to Republican candidates, um, who said that, look, we're not only in the United States, um, you know, to help out Turkey, but we're here for Erdogan and, and uh, for Islam. Um, Musayed USA, uh, another Turkish proxy, the business association that I spoke of earlier, um, is definitely an Islamist group. It's involved in funding the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, it was established basically uh, in response to Tusayed USA, which is a secular business association, um, which was sort of the traditional Turkish establishment before the rise of the AKP. Uh, and Musayed uh, was a response to that with religious-minded business leaders um, starting their own organization. And, uh, you know, its branches in the United States work very closely with the Islamists. Um, do they harass secular Muslims or secular-minded Turks? Um, I'm not so certain that should happen, that happens. Um, you know, they are for advancing the interests of the AKP and the regime in Turkey. And uh, we'll use whatever means necessary to do that. If that means co-opting secular allies, I don't think uh, that they have any problem with it. Okay, quite a few uh, 
of our watchers and listeners have asked for a few more details about the actual congressional uh, support for Turkey in the in, in the House of Representatives and in, in the Senate. Are there particular congressmen or congresswomen who have taken a very pro Erdogan, a pro Ankara? Uh, uh, approach and you know one one question that Eli Klein also asks is there a nexus is there a link between those defenders of Turkey and also those uh, members of the house that pursue anti-Israel measures such as the recent vote against uh, the Iron Dome funding for example hmm. um, to the second question um, I think that there are links. Um, for instance, Elhan Omar is noted for meeting with um, President Erdogan when she was just a state representative in Minnesota. Uh, she later met with uh, dignitaries, officials from the AKP, um, and has uh, basically opposed the Armenian genocide measures, opposed sanctions against Turkey, she stood out as being the only Democrat to do so. Um, so I think that uh, Turkish uh, proxies have been successful in that regard, um, getting help from the Muslim uh, members of Congress um, who are definitely in bed with American Islamists themselves. Um, you know, there's a number of candidates who receive, who have um, been the target of lobbying from Turkey. Um, you know, I don't think it's really in the interest to name them or accuse them of anything because uh, I don't really know if they've uh, changed policy or done anything as a response to this Turkish lobbying. Uh, there was a candidate in Texas who um, lost an election in 2018, and he was um, he became the focus of a, a campaign by these. Turkish PACs to fund his election in 2020, he ended up winning and is now a key part of the Turkish American caucus. Um, so there are members to, to keep an eye out for, but really the problem here is the Turkish proxies, not the members of Congress who meet with lobbyists. Um, that is, you know, legal. It's a way of doing politics in this country. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who believe Citizens United changed the way uh, that uh, elections are run and campaigns are financed in this country. Uh, but I think that's an argument for a different day. Certainly it would help uh, to stop foreign funding from bad actors like, uh, like Turkey. Okay, and you mentioned that Turkey's efforts in this country are predominantly legal, and this falls into a pattern of, of lawful Islamism that the Islamist Watch Project monitors. Jay Lewis, however, asks, and he particularly says, compared to Iran, does Turkey pose a terrorist threat to the United States? And so I suppose, you know, just expanding on that, the Iranian regime, yes, it has a lawful presence in the United States, yes, it has lobbyists and uh, religious proxies and so on, but it also pushes um, uh, violent activities as well through Hezbollah cells, through um, uh, IRGC networks and, and so on. Is this the same with Turkey? Is the Turkish Islamist threat entirely lawful or is there also a violent component to it as well? Right, it's definitely not entirely lawful. Um, the, for instance, IH, IHH, the Humanitarian Relief Foundation, uh, is an Istanbul-based NGO. 
Um, it often works with uh, Turkish American or Turkish proxy charities in the United States. Um, IAH, of course, is very close to Hamas uh, and Al Qaeda and, and even ISIS. Um, it's been known to be involved with all three of those. I, uh, the Zakat Foundation, which is a Turkish proxy charity here in the United States, um, funded IHHH with at least one grant. It's been known as a key fiscal sponsor of this Turkish charity. Um, and the IAH, you may recall, was involved uh, in 2010 in the Gaza Freedom Flotilla uh, movement, the attempt to break the Israeli-Egyptian blockade of Gaza City, um, which ultimately resulted in the death of 10 people when Israeli commandos uh, boarded one of the vessels that was attempting to block the brigade and were attacked. Um, in many ways, of course, outside of, of just this, Erdogan is known to support uh, Global Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, there's even been accusations that he's uh, opened up uh, his borders to ISIS and, um, and he's been a key facilitator of violent Islamism throughout the Middle East. Um, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily come to the United States at this point, but uh, there definitely is a violent component to Erdogan's uh, Islamism, no doubt. Okay. Well, um, I'm afraid we've reached the end of our, our webinar time, which is a bit of a shame as we had quite a few more questions. We'll certainly try to address these in future articles uh, and future webinars that we, we do. Um, I do recommend that everyone listening, if you want to learn more about the DNet, go check out the Islamist Watch project page uh, at meforum.org. We had an article recently published on the DNet, its presence in, in the United States that I think will be of interest. Uh, we also have a number of articles soon to come out on various aspects of the Turkish regime's efforts in the United States. Um, so keep an eye uh, on that as well and sign up for the Islamist Watch mailing list at meforum.org if you have not already. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we hope to see you for our next webinar and um, I hope you all have a very pleasant weekend.